welcome back. Another episode here of the Dropkick Basement. I am your host, Mike Madden, uh, joined on this episode and the journey through the old school pro wrestling world with uh, Tommy Schultz. Tommy, how are we doing on this fine evening? Well, the bells have jingled, the balls have dropped, <laughs> and yes. we still can't find Geiger. And we're in 2024, uh, first episode of 2024 without young Matthew. Um, uh, the last episode we speculated that he had become a heel Santa at his work. Uh, no confirmation, uh, was, was made on that. Uh, he's playing mum, but, uh, he's also busy at work, uh, for this week's episode. So, uh, maybe he dressed up as big show baby new year. Oh, that's something I wouldn't want to see. And he's just got, he's just got a diaper and a top hat on and a sash. Uh, and he's uh, strolling around the Bayshore area, uh, turning heel and face at every traffic light that he goes through. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we're uh, we're we're back after it, knee deep in this um, this experiment that we started in last week's episode, uh, where we were doing the uh, the website. The sports website is AinsworthSports.com. Uh, just as a refresher, they do this list of the all-time uh, best pro wrestlers based on their algorithm. Uh, we broke out the rookie years, and we were taking apart the uh, the classes of those particular rookie years. Um, I cleverly will be titling these episodes Rookie Card. See, a little play on words there. There um, you go. So the, the rookie cards that we're going to be doing this one are – we're going to our oldest uh, allotted uh, cards this year. So uh, I've got 1987, and Tommy, you've got 1985, correct? Correct. And I think maybe um, just for, uh, you know, people that are following on, like, social media and stuff, if we could, like, plug, maybe, like, plug the uh, website into Absolutely. the posts and stuff just so yep. that they could follow along and maybe – you know, people at home can send in, you know, their their fantasy book cards for uh, for particular years. That oh, yeah. Enjoy. Yeah. This is, again, it's a lot of fun exercise. And, and if you if you kind of think to yourself like, all right, well, I got to look at, you know, years that these guys don't do. They go all the way back to like the 1800s on certain yeah, things, which is wild <laughs> stuff. But if you've got a database of like. You know, the, a lot of these wrestling historians have a database of like of, you know, match cards and, and results and certainly like, you know, guys that wrestled um, in the in the turn of the century, you know, the 1900s, 20s, 30s, all the way up to modern day. Um, and again, when you get more to the modern area, it kind of thins out because there isn't, you know, a lot of historical uh, information on this. Um but it's still a lot of fun, and it it kind of led me to realize. Um, and this is this is kind of a, a quick aside. I don't I don't think I've ever told you this, Tom. I've seen uh, one of the most legendary pro wrestlers of all. I, I mean, I've seen a lot of legendary pro wrestlers live and in person. Okay. But I went to a card, ironically enough, in 1987 Ooh. at the Meadowlands. Okay. The match just before intermission was a Legends Battle Royal. And this is a WWF card. Okay. So, um, 
on that in that battle royal, you got you had guys like Nick Bockwinkle, who had, like a, who's a road okay. agent there, Blackjack Lanza, uh, I think they had um, Pedro Morales, like you know guys you had seen like part of their that are like that you knew that were like part of their company because they were working yeah. back like Rene Goulet and Degurias. But the winner of the Battle Royal, the, two, the last two guys in the Battle Royal were Pat O'Connor, the legendary okay. former NWA champion Pat O'Connor, and Luthez. No shit. So I can tell you, even though it was a Battle Royal, I saw Pat O'Connor and I saw Luthez in action during my lifetime. That's nuts. It, it's really nuts. I saw Ray the Crippler Stevens in that too. Like, holy it, shit! Just the amount of like, if if you go back and and I encourage you to go look at um, it's history of the WWE dot com. Uh, it used to be that I I don't know if it, Graham Cawthorn still runs it, but he was the one who created and he created this like probably about twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, where it was compiling all the the match results from WWF through the years. Yeah. And I just remember being at this because there was two battle royals. There was that Legends battle royal, and there was a modern day battle royal with uh, freshly turned babyface. This was November of '87. Um, freshly turned babyface Macho Man Randy Savage was okay. not even scheduled to be there that night. Um, I met him. We were able to go like uh, there was a, like a meet and greet before because uh, my father had a friend that was uh, a he worked for a company that did marketing for WWF. Okay. So um, we were able to go to the meet and greet ahead of time. So I met Savage, I met Jake Roberts, and I met Ricky Steamboat. Damn. And I got all their autographs. And Savage wasn't even supposed to be on the card. He subbed for Jim Duggan. That's quite an upgrade. And uh, he and he really, uh, again, another guy, you'd think to yourself, like, the legends of pro wrestling, and we're going to have a legends battle royal. Uh, Macho Man wrestled Harley Race, at that Meadowlands card, wow! Yeah, and Jake Roberts battle won the, the king, and Jake Roberts won the uh, the the battle royal uh, as well. Just double battle royal. It was two battle royals, yeah. Legends That's battle great. royal and a yeah modern guy battle royal. So wow, yeah. This is that's a hell of a card. It's a hell of a card. <laughs> the rest of the, the rest of the matches, you know, kind of hit or miss. But uh, I remember, and Savage wrestled in like street clothes, cowboy boots. But like, you know, he wasn't in the Macho Man like get up he didn't do the robe or anything. Gear. and we were because we were there at the meet and greet it was like oh yeah you know when you when you go to your seats don't say anything to anybody like in your seats but like macho man's a surprise tonight it's like yes <laughs> fuck yeah macho man's a surprise tonight oh That's luthez awesome. won a battle royal all right yeah luthez <laughs> but shit macho man won bobo brazil was in that goddamn battle royal it's you can actually watch that battle royal on youtube i, I believe there was I like go back coverage of it that. The Legends Battle Royal. Um, so, without further ado, let's get into 1987. Let's that, get into that it. was one of the years that I had. So, I have conducted a uh, a thorough investigation into the talented folks that debuted in 1987. Here are the 20 wrestlers that I've got to work with. Let's hear it for by hook or by crook. Uh, Psycho Sid. Sid Vicious. Love it. Number one overall. Number one overall. Uh, Ultimo Dragon. Oh. Number two. Taz. Wow. 
Conan. Okay. Love Machine Art Bar. Oh, shit. One of my favorites. Here we go. go. Earthquake. Pierre Carl Ouellette. Still kicking. Bob Holly. Whoa. Star studded. Mr. Hughes. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) The less known of the Nasty Boys, Jerry Sags. Huh, interesting. Axel Rotten. If you remember oh. last time I had Ian Rotten, <laughs> now I've got sidled with having to do something with Axel Rotten. The the I would say the uh the more talented member of the bad breed. <laughs> uh leaps and bounds more talented. Um Balls Mahoney. All right. Oh. Oh, I see where this is going. Rex King. <laughs> I have no idea who that is. Uh, he was one of the. He was one half of Well Done. He was either Timothy oh. Well or Stephen Dunn. Oh, yeah. So, oh. jobberific. Uh, Johnny Grunge, Public Enemy. Oh, here we go. I've got Headhunter A and Headhunter B. <laughs> nice. You oh. know, you know how I'm. I'm fired up I, for tag I, teams. <laughs> Well, I see something <laughs> fucking glaring right now. <laughs> uh, the, the the talent starts to really go downhill. Uh, Glacier. Where are we at right now? What number are we at? Uh, he's 17. Okay. Uh, pardon my mispronunciation of this Japanese name. Uh, Suyoshi Kakuchi. Or Kikuchi. I should Kikuchi. K-I-K-U-C-H-I. Kikuchi. Okay. Uh, Max Thrasher. Uh, East Coast Independent guy. Okay. And one, but not two, of the Harris twins, Ron Harris. So, my question <laughs> to whoever put this list together would be, what put Ron over down? Yeah. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Is he just a little bit older? Did he have like one singles match somewhere where he got a? Maybe he pinned his brother in a. Uh, uh, how did How did Max Thrasher beat out Ron, <laughs> Ron and Don Harris? I don't think a lot of people have a lot of high, uh, you know, high praise for the Harris twins uh, no. or the uh, were they the Bruise Brothers or Jacob and Eli yeah. Blue or. Yeah. Or uh, uh, disciples the of, of the no were yeah. they yeah the yeah. DOA yeah. skull and eight skull and eight ball <laughs> fucking you talk about uh, certain guys having a ton of gimmicks those assholes should have been in our tournament of gimmicks <laughs> I'd had sixteen spots just for those two twins um so I am going to host this and this is why I'm telling you there's no way that you would have said anything uh, that comes close. This is going to be an outdoor show, and I'm hosting this show in WWC, the World Wrestling Council, in Puerto Rico. Okay. Oh, my God. This is going to be one of those uh, uh, baseball stadium shows that they were famous for. Okay. Um, Some of them were- When you said outdoor- you're really scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were thinking like maybe the FMW uh, uh, explosion. No, I'll, I'll. You'll see when I tell you where okay. I'm hosting my show. All but right. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> so yes, uh, under the banner of Carlos Colon, wow. uh, 
we're gonna do this. Uh, that makes sense. That make just the names you listed. It's gonna make a lot. Of, it's gonna make a lot of sense later when I start explaining shit that's going on, because uh, we're gonna gimmick the fuck out of some of these matches. Um, and also, Puerto Rico loves a visiting like WWF presence, and there's a lot of like you know visiting WWF guys that could get thrown into the, into the oh, mix yeah. here. Guys that are gonna get like batteries and shit thrown at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're gonna start off uh, pretty simple. Uh, we've got our our set the table tag team match. We're going uh, Kikuchi and Glacier. Versus Rex King and Max Thrasher. Okay. Basic squash match. Uh, you know, foreign baby. They like their Japanese guys in in Puerto Rico, and somebody like Glacier would would probably get over out there. Um, you know, for the for the karate moves and the yeah. Mortal Kombat entrance. Um, and I'm imagining this is probably in the pouring rain already, uh, so it might look you know kind of. Not that it's cold in Puerto Rico, but, you know, with yeah. the rain, maybe Glacier's entrance looks a little bit cooler. Uh, and, again, it gets Rex King and Max Thresher out of action as quickly as possible. And, I mean, yeah, that's the best thing to do. And just takes care of these four guys. And these these are probably the four least important guys uh, that are on my list anyway, towards the bottom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and we, you know, we get our baby faces over at that point. Now... So I have to be... I have to be honest with you. I'm not too per- familiar with like the Puerto Rico scene. I haven't seen mm-hmm. a ton of it, so I'm not sure. I mean, I know it's like a blood and guts kind of for the most part, yeah, out there. Yeah, um, I'm not too familiar with like you know any of how they ran their shows or anything like that. But that sounds like any foreign promotion would just throw out oh yeah or random guys. In mm-hmm. a tag team match, that there's no rhyme or reason to it. You don't have to be in your seat but yet. It works. This is just starting you off. You know, we just want to get you settled and get you in your seats. Yeah, you do want to be. I, I envision the Puerto Rico shows uh, along the lines of like F- FMW. Almost. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I thought about making this like a six man because, uh, but that would probably lean more towards the Japanese side than. The yes. Puerto Rico or Mexico side. Oh, you have Mexico, yeah. They have their multi-band matches and, and everything. But when it comes to the um, the Puerto Rico, and especially, like, again, I'm not the most ardent Puerto Rico guy myself, but the foreign presences or the, the, the mainland stars that they could bring in were kind of, like, usually used on top, and then there would be kind of hangers-on that would be on tour. So if they were bringing in, let's say somebody like Mr. Hughes. Yeah. And they were like, well, we got to have Mr. Hughes a little bit higher on the card because he's been on television. And WWE is like, or even Hughes is like, well, you know, I ride with Rex King. And they're like, yeah, we'll find a spot on the card with Rex, for Rex King. Okay. Yeah. He's yeah, yeah. easy. Like, we'll have him in an opening match. You know, if, you know, if people are familiar with him or if he gets over, then he, you know, he'll have a better spot tomorrow night when he's got his next match. Okay. So that would be the type of thing where these are the American guys here are baggage that would come along with the other guys. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're really trying to get Kikuchi over more than anything else. Got it. Um, so that's my starter. Um, everybody should be in their seats 
ready to roll by the second match on the card. Two singles guys, uh, two tag team guys in a singles match. Hmm. And it's going to be punch, kick, go around the building. Um, you Maybe you don't even hear a bell. Both guys are getting disqualified in this one. Jerry Sags versus Johnny Grunge. Okay. I want it to be as ugly as possible. Uh, I, I don't care if they bleed. I don't care if they use tables. I don't care if they use baseball bats and, and stuff to start off with. This show is going to be filled with plunder and, and gimmicks galore. But again, you've got two guys that can probably work pretty easily with each other and allow one another to beat the mess out of each other. Yeah. And you're absolutely within reason to, you know, expect it to be, you know, 10 minutes of maybe they don't even get to the ring. They just brawl around the whole place and, and referees are getting thrown and um, it sets up their grudge matches down the line. And when they bring in their tag team partners in the next, you know, next month when they're back in Puerto Rico, then this gets a higher spot on the card. But it's more or less like table setting. Yeah. And again, it, it, it plays to the, both these guys should never have really been in the ring. Johnny Grunge was one of the worst pro wrestlers <laughs> that I've ever seen. Uh, if there was ever uh, the term barnacle... I like to throw out there for guys that are carried by a more impressive entity. Johnny Grunge is a pro wrestling barnacle because Rocco <laughs> Rock was the more talented of the two. Knobs uh, and Sags are like neck and neck in the kind of ugly, ugly in the ring, ugly character, ugly people category. <laughs> um, but knowing that they had that history in WCW, like, you know, this to me makes sense. You know, put them out there and let them beat the dog shit out of each other for, uh, for, you know, about ten good minutes. This makes sense, and all I have to say about this match is you and I think very much. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, I think we also. I think while I was reading my roster, uh, I think you could see where I'm going with my next match, um, which is another. Uh, we're going to get it. Anything goes tornado style tag team match. You just get the ring cleared from these two barreling behemoths. And here comes Axel and balls versus the headhunters. Yep. In. And now the headhunters were pretty big in Puerto Rico. So yep. I would almost say like, I mean, they were always heels over there, but like, I would say this is, a, this is a little bit of a situation where the locals would be throwing the batteries at balls and Axel. Oh yeah, they're throwing the piss jars at balls and axle, and the headhunters look great. And you've got bar, you're, you'll have barbed wire, you'll have fire, you'll have chairs. Could have slotted this in as the main event, um, but I also still part of me is like, there's some traditional wrestlers on this card that I don't want to bury. <laughs> um, but it's really just all about like this is what this is what actually this match was like. I'm gonna have this card in Puerto Rico, and then I'm gonna book it this way. Just that, because it's perfect because it's there, you know, again, it's the barbaric style. It's the Abdullah, the butcher versus uh, Carlos Colon or Brody uh, elements to it, where even though you just had that in the last match, the insatiability of that crowd is still at a fever pitch where you just want to keep you're adding. It's a hat on a hat. You're just adding on top of it. And, you let the headhunters go over here because, like I said, I think they're more oh, yeah. akin to 
uh, the crowd in Puerto Rico and they're kind of, you know, they'd be over for that Puerto Rican crowd. Oh yeah. So now I'm going to, I'm going to cool it off a little bit, but also just change the style up. Uh, and I'm adding a stipulation on this one too. Ultimo dragon versus love machine art bar. Okay. And this is hair versus mask. Ooh. Right. Which Art Bar's biggest high-profile match was him and Eddie versus Octagon and Blue Demon, or, yeah, Blue Demon at the uh, When Worlds Collide pay-per-view, mm-hmm. and that was Mask versus uh, Mask versus Hair. I think these two would have a, a great, uh, like, hot, some high-flying, some submission stuff. You know, your... 20 minute uh kind of light heavyweight cruiserweight back and forth battle art bar's a heat machine art bar could really get over as a as a as a rotten dirty heel he was great in mexico um and i think he would be the perfect foil for the triumphant ultimo dragon you get to shave art's hair you got to take an intermission after this um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Because he's going to stay in the ring with his his newly shaved head, and he's got to stay in the ring through the whole intermission. And you're going to sell eight by tens of all the kids coming in and taking their picture <laughs> with the newly shaved Art Bar, um, holding up his hair, holding it like making a puss and like holding up his hair, or like pouting with his arms crossed. Um, so this is again, this is something that uh, that Puerto Rico could certainly get behind. And they'd have a they'd have a great match. I think this is this is too, um, very much like not exact styles, but they can play off of each other. Art was always a great lucha base. Uh, yes. Anytime that he worked with with uh, in Mexico with those guys, so um, he would shine up Ultimo tremendously, and he would get his shit in as well. So I'm taking an intermission at this point because you got to clean all that hair out of the ring, and and again get done with your eight by tens. And I'm coming back for my last three matches. Um, first of which will be PCO versus Bob Holly. Ooh. And this hmm. is this is PCO in 2015 when he came back as like cyborg PCO. Okay. Like right at that end, maybe it was maybe it was a little bit later, but like when he was fresh on the indies, when he had been away forever, and he came back with um, that really physical style, and he was doing the, he, he put on that weight that made him way more intimidating. I think this there's a gimmick in there that you know, unfortunately, like he wasn't seen in the light, and there wasn't any competition for WWF for like putting somebody on television at that time. Yeah, but he had such a great run in the indies. And that comeback was was so strong that like everybody was clamoring to get PCO on their show, and it was because he came back with that sort of like half cyborg, um, kind of reborn man, yeah, in his late forties, early fifties, that was doing sentons to the floor and was, you know, and Jesus, Bob Holly, the only time he was over was when he was physical, you know, chair swinging. Yeah, <laughs> you know, take down a monster, Bob Holly. So, um, 
almost akin to like Bob Holly, his feud with uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you're like, you know, maybe maybe PCO dropped him on his head at some point, and this is Bob Holly's big comeback match. And again, it's just another one that like it fits the style of it's going to be physical. You're going to have all these guys like bouncing off of each other and um, and brawling through the crowd, and eventually like you know you get Bob Holly the win. You know, but you don't kill PCO because maybe you got PCO coming back down the line against getting a partner and going against the headhunters or, you know, you know, having him work in Puerto Rico for a year to just sort of, you know, extend the legend and, and build the yeah. legacy up. So, like, he would be like an awesome presence in a match like that. Oh, 100%. My semifinal. Okay. I've got my uh, my TV wrestler showcase. So you're going to have uh, Big Sid Vicious and Ron Harris. Two tall men Cute. versus two portly men in Earthquake and Mr. Hughes. Okay. So you're just, you're basically like you're, you're playing on their notoriety and people know that they have signature moves. You know, it's probably going to be a lot of like Mr. Hughes and... Ron Harris probably doing a lot of the the heavy lifting, but they had worked with each other in ECW in 94. So I think you can get something out of there. And then you're building to that moment where it's earthquake and Sid make the tags. And then you have, you know, two of Hulk Hogan's biggest opponents of all time up against each other in the ring. Again, you're not afraid to say like, maybe we get them all counted out and, and you know, you've, set up a you know a main event down the road or you let Sid go over uh earthquake and earthquake has to come back and get his revenge but for the most part like you just let these four guys you know get all of their signature moves in choke slams power bombs you know you name it they'll do it Hughes I think a lot of people forget that Curtis Hughes could actually like move for a big man yeah. So I think that's an element that you can exploit. And you know that Quake's not going up for a power bomb, but no. Curtis Curtis Hughes <laughs> can go up for a power bomb if you really yeah. wanna you know, you wanna make Sid look like the the star that Sid is. And there you go. You've got there's your there's your semi main event, which leads you to your I know it's Puerto Rico. But I'm going to say, let's call it a Puerto Rican, a no-holds-barred Puerto Rican death match. Okay. Conan, the legendary babyface Conan versus Taz. Whoa. The human suplex machine. And two guys that interacted with each other in ECW, but because Taz was out with injury didn't get to have the match with with Conan. Um, I think they had teased it, that they thought that was going to be something they could have done, but Conan signed with WCW, and he went away too quickly. Um, But yeah, for sure, you have Taz, uh, the best version of Taz, you know, the Path of Rage, towel over his head, beat me if you can, survive if I let you, versus the legendary... Conan and um and you you know 
let's say it's for the WWC world title, Taz is the champion, and you let Conan leave as the conquering hero. He beats the the you know the the shoot fighter and and chokes him out. Like he develops a submission. Not that shitty to kill a sunrise leg lock that he had, but you know he develops a real submission and he beats he gets Taz to tap in Puerto Rico and then you know again you you set up uh, Conan as your as your star and your 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 fresh baby face and maybe Puerto Rico is a destination and then you look around the rest of the card and you say all right well you know Art Bar and Conan would have been great. Ultimo Dragon and Conan had matches in WCW, but those could have been great too. But I think just the element of having Conan and Taz, the best versions of them could have matched up very well with each other. Tear it down. Yeah. Tear the house down. And that's that's where you send it off strong. Exactly. And you, and you, you know, people aren't pissed. They're not, you're not giving them a fucked finish and you're not, you've given them enough like blood and guts. And I actually think like, even though you're going to call it a Mexican death match, um, you could you could also kind of say like, all right, well, this has to be a submissions match, yeah. you know. And the only or way to win is to like, uh, like, like when they did an ECW, the Mexican death match was essentially it was just like a, it was like a, a yeah, it was brawl around the building, a, a last man standing, match yeah, kind of, yeah, right? yeah. But you don't have to necessarily like cap it off with the blood if you want to. You can, but yeah. it's not you know the middle of your card is is a bloodletting. Yeah. You have just before they're on, you have your television stars and then you have your two top guys in your company and you make the most of it. So there it goes. 1987 Love in it. a nutshell. And came out of nowhere. Didn't see that. Did not see Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. When you mm. hit me with the outdoors, you, you got me scared <laughs> that we were going to be having the same venue. Yeah. Yeah. So you have 1985. 1985. So just two short years earlier. Okay. All right. So the top 20 uh, debuting wrestlers of the year 1985 are Sting. Jesus. Vader. Uh-huh. The Ultimate Warrior. God damn it. Lex Luger. Yes. Yes. Dr. Dr. Wagner Jr. Because we always need a medical professional with a mask on. <laughs> the big boss man. Your boy. My man. Yeah. My man forever. R.I.P. Ray Trailer. Bam Bam Bigelow. One of your other rider dies. Another one of my dudes. Uh, okay. The, excuse my pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Masakatsu Funaki. Masakatsu Funaki. Yes. Silver King. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the list, they have him as Rikishi, but you could know him as a million different things. Yep. Uh, Make a difference, Rikishi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Make a difference, Fatu. That's what he was. Fatu. Um, uh, Two Cold Scorpio. Billy Gunn. Oh, Daddy S. Daddy S. Savio Vega. Savio Vega. Okay. Larry Cameron, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Benoit. Not to not to be confused with Two Cold Scorpio, Scorpio Junior. There's a Scorpio Junior. Yeah, yeah. Not not related. <laughs> no. Um. I guess the better half. 
Brian Knob. Question mark. <laughs> oh, the Nasty Boys are really well covered in this uh, in this episode, yeah, aren't they? And and let's just say we had similar thoughts on the Nasty Boys. <laughs> um, not Buzz, but Bart Sawyer. Bart Sawyer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how the majority of these guys are on the list ahead of him, but Blue Demon Jr. Is Blue Demon Jr. Rounds out the top 20. How uh, Bart Sawyer is 19 and Blue Demon Jr. is 20. Did you miss someone in there? Because I... Uh, Ogawa? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I missed that. Um, yeah. Yosh- Yoshinari Ogawa mm-hmm. was number 13. Yes. 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 So, um, yeah. 1985. This is going to take place... Under the world class championship wrestling battle. Oh, yeah. And it is going to be oh. the parade of champions yeah. in Texas Stadium. Yes. Yes. I, My, Mike I, Von Erich's still alive at this point, I believe. <laughs> so it's still the David Von Erich. This is the second annual David Von Erich Memorial Parade of Champions. Um, not, so, a, not a Von Erich to be seen on the show, by the way. No, no. Um, I, I mean, Fred Sella's business? <laughs> Ritz got taken over by Vince. <laughs> I still take over. Oh, but I'm still running your buildings. Um, I mean, it was between this as a sportatorium for me. Uh, those were the two that I was going between. But that just the the look of Texas Stadium, yeah. Carrie and Ric Flair is just there. There's something about that show that it just it's when. It's, that year, oh, that good. first year that they did that, when they, and they didn't fill the stadium, but they set it up so that it, that, that looked, it looked so yeah. good. Like every shot of that looked really good. Um, and that was, I, again, it was done. The first one was 84, 85. Like the attendance really dropped off in 85 because, um, just because I, I think, you know, Lightning in a bottle, you can do it. But if you do 85 with this crew, yeah, literally your top five are so intertwined with each other. Well, the top four, I should say. Dr. Wagner yeah. not really intertwined with anybody. No. <laughs> but, no. um, but shit, like Sting Vader, Warrior Luger, like, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, that's a promoter's 1980s wet dream. Oh yeah, and I it's so, I mean I I just I can't reiterate how much I love just the look of the way. So I'm picturing eighty, was that eighty four, right? Yeah, eighty four. The, the original setup. Mm-hmm. From from what I was reading about the parade of champions, they did it in like the sixties and seventies as well. But it wasn't like world class. It wasn't like this, that presentation of it. The Parade of Champions was just like an interpromotional show that That's was true. run yearly. Yeah. Uh, from like 61 to like the late 70s. So, and then Fritz picked it back up in the mid 80s. So he had done a few shows at Texas Stadium. He had his retirement show at Texas Stadium. They also like, yeah. they ran the Cotton Bowl. So they were like they weren't afraid to like run football large football stadiums in Texas. Um eighty five was still like 
their business had fallen off a little bit, but it wasn't like it wasn't as sort of turned onto itself as bad as it got in like '86. Yeah. But there was again, like I said, you put this crew in there without Von Eriks, and I think like these guys at their peak are selling that building out like in a heartbeat um, and position it correctly. It can look like bigger than a WrestleMania would look Yeah, way before WrestleMania was starting to do stadiums. And that was, and again, I think the, the point there was WWF had done outdoor venues. Um, they did Shea stadium yeah, for years. Bill Watts, uh, he they had done like the too, he had right? yeah he had done like the the um, oh, the superdome superdome shows and there's not enough footage necessarily from those or they're they're so like darkly lit like this yeah. is the middle of the day oh texas yeah, yeah, stadium yeah. looks so like so big and so like you know and again the crowd was going bananas for anything that like the top yeah. guys did at that time so i think you're right like you know capturing you know, an outdoor the stadium day vibe. show. An outdoor day show is the best a wrestling show could ever look. And and you wonder why none of them none of them fucking do it. I mean, I get that they start during the day, but then it gets night. I think if you run a whole show during the day, yeah. If if you can fill an outdoor, whatever the outdoor uh, venue may be, if you could fill it outdoors, one. And this is strictly for the way that it looked. As a child, one of my favorite shows ever was... This is a so side note, but just... Mm -hmm. 1995 Bash at the Beach. Regardless of how shitty of a show it was, as a kid, it looked like there was 100,000 people out on the beach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the day. And I was just like, "This is so fucking cool." They're wrestling on the beach, and they were, yeah, and they were, they were smart about that because, like, most of the shots, like, they did the crane shots, yeah, and they did the overheads from the helicopters to establish that, like, this is what the crowd looks like. And I'll give them credit; like, they let everybody in free for those road wild and hog wild shows, exactly. But, but when they looked, looked at the sheer volume of people that were there, beach show, motorcycle rally, it looks like it's a mass of humanity that are, that are there to like check this out yeah some of them are not really paying attention um and they're just revving motorcycle engines well, half camera, the time it but looks, uh, it looks unbelievable yeah 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 so if done right like somebody jesus christ somebody please start running afternoon shows can you the, run wrestlemania in the summertime one o'clock in the afternoon on that sunday yeah you have a different crew of people. Get me home by 8 o'clock, <laughs> goddammit. Seriously. The West Coast people can... Listen, the West Coast people can get up for football. They're going to they're gonna wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning exactly. to they, see WrestleMania. They, they got football games going on in London at 9.30 a.m. Seriously. When I was in Las Vegas, I woke up at 6.30 to, to watch the Colts and Patriots yeah. play in, in London. In London. If you really want to watch WrestleMania, you'll get up. Goddamn. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Night one, they anyway. can, night one, they can have at night. Night, night two should be during the day. Yeah, especially if it's on a Sunday. Shit, absolutely. Get me home early. WrestleMania one was at one o'clock. That was just saying. That was in the heart of Times Square. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> All right. Well, let's anyway. Let's resume our our spot let's, here yeah, under the banner of uh, world class championship wrestling. Okay, so to really pop things off with a bang. 
We're going to start it off with Bart Sawyer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> says asses in the seats like the kayfabe brother of Buzz Sawyer. So uh, Bart Sawyer, who I had no idea who the fuck Bart Sawyer was. It took a lot of research. Yeah. Um, so he was essentially. There, were, there, was an, there was a Brett Sawyer, too. Yeah. It was Brett, Bart, and Buzz. Yeesh. So, so Bart, um, Bart was essentially just like a job guy. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. went around as a job guy. He, at some point, he got teamed up with uh, The Rock in like uh, developmental. Oh yeah, because he was a Memphis. Yeah, uh, he was like a Memphis guy. Memphis all the time. Um, but yeah, he's just like your, I would say, your prototypical '80s jobber. And so he's going to be doing those honors to get over Puerto Rican superstar Savio Vega. Oh, Savio Vega, yeah. Oh, who would also, by the way, um, God, he should have been in my Puerto Rico. He would have been against uh, Conan in my Puerto Rico show, oh, by the way. Oh, my God. Event. He would have yeah. main-evented. Oh, shit. He would have main-evented. Oh, he would have been, been the baby face, and Conan would have been the heel. But um, Savio Vega, it's funny that you start off with this because – Although he never had a chance to wrestle in world class, god damn it, Savio Vega would have been the perfect world class, like mid card, upper mid card babyface guy, because they loved uh, ethnic wrestlers, because uh, like, Texas is border. So, yeah, like, anytime, exactly. like, Al Madrill, who was dull as fucking dish soap, <laughs> got over big. And guys like uh, anytime they would have the Guerreros come in, or they would have um, Jose Lothario was f- yeah. was huge in in world class. So like Savio Vega in that scenario is that's a duck in in water. Like he he would be perfect for that world. And again, like establishing girls would go crazy for Savio, and that's that's a great opener. And so like yeah. I mean, Bartora is a ca- like a capable guy of bump, bump, bump and feed, bump and feed, bump yeah. and feed. Yeah. You're putting Savio Ogre over pretty quick, mm-hmm. and you're getting the crowd lively. He's he's the baby face, so he's he's really going to take over the crowd. I love get, this. Get, I love this isn't world class because I I've watched so much going. world class that like I can I can follow this along. Let's go. All right. So, uh, in uh, the number two spot. We are going to have a Lucha tag team match. All right. With Silver King and Blue Demon Jr. Mm -hmm. taking on Dr. Wagner Jr. and Scorpio Jr. Oh, okay. So we got a lot of juniors here. We got a lot of juniors. Silver King. We'll just call him Silver King Jr. now. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Wagner Jr. is the... I mean, he was great. He wrestled in japan a lot too um he's still going is he still working yeah he he wrestled uh, dr wagner jr wrestled joey janela in gcw last year no shit one of one of my favorite matches of last year yeah yeah they went like 40 minutes and just beat the piss out of each other yeah so like yeah he's an example of like a physical so he's not a high fly No, no 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 and i think like silver king is Silver King and Scorpio are more are are more of the like high fly. See, like there there's two. I I feel like um, because of the uh, uh, the 
the more recent luchador tag you would put on like mm-hmm. the the Mexican wrestlers. Um, people misconstrue that all luchadors are like high flying. They're not. Like yeah, yeah. Um, but like some of the like like Blue Demon, like Doctor Wagner, they're more of like a physical style of. They were just under a mask, and that's why they're considered to be luchadors. But the, the again, there's still a body type, and I I, I think yes. with Silver Silver King kind of had a like he's got the the heavier the, and the, the broader upper body. He can still yes. you know he, he, he still moves still, fast and he lugs yeah. his ass around, but he's still like if you're laying in chops and you're going chop for chop, like if it's Wagner and him going chop for chop. And even a blue demon that has like sort of that like strong upper body. I think this is that again, getting back to world class at that time, like you had guys like Jose Lothario who could get off his feet every once in a while, but was still more or less like a ground and pound wrestler and, yeah. and had like the good fundamentals, could take a beating and could dish out a beating. So yeah, this this would this would certainly appeal to that crowd. And again, for we're sure. on the we're on the border of Texas, so yep. the yep. Mexican superstars are held in very high regard down in mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Uh, even even as undercard guys, they would be looked at as, like, superstars because you have a lot of people going back and forth. And there was uh, there was no AAA at this time. It was no. EMLL in Mexico. And um, I think there was, like, IWC – but for the most part, like, like these guys would be coming up to wrestle in California or in the Texas towns for big paydays. So this is again, you you get a chance to wrestle at a stadium show. Everybody's going to have their working shoes on for sure. And it's going to be like a showcase of like, yeah, okay, this is we're showcasing the Mexican talents in in this match here. True, true. And okay, so moving into this. When I said in your, uh, what well, when you were running down your card mm-hmm. uh, that we think alike. Next, we have an anything goes pinfalls count anywhere match All right. between Brian Knobs, <laughs> okay, all right, and Larry Cameron. Larry, Larry Cameron's <laughs> one of the more interesting. Uh, he's one of the more interesting topics in pro wrestling. Um, so yeah. I don't I don't know a great deal about Larry Cameron other than uh, I, there was a short period of time where he had teamed with Butch Reed in the WCW. Yes, um, he was a former football player coming from uh, the CFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, got trained in you know Stampede, but so I, I, in, I don't know much about his wrestling career. A uh, right around eighty nine nineteen ninety. This was the guy that was so he would get up he would get written up in the after mags every month and it would be like next year's uh next year's heavyweight champion. They were on the doorstep of anointing Larry Cameron as like the next big thing. Right. My experience with Larry Cameron, he came to WCW in like nineteen ninety. Yeah, ninety or ninety one. That's what I was reading. And I think he lasted about Two months, three months, he was the shits. Yes. He was so <laughs> bad. He looked like a million dollars. Yes. I'll give him that. And the physique and the, like, he had, like, I guess his finish was a press slam or, or was like a, 
like a backbreaker variant or whatever it was. Maybe he did the over-the-shoulder backbreaker. But, oh, man, like couldn't run the ropes, couldn't sell clotheslines, like just bad, just not not where it should have been for a guy that was on, you know, main television uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia at that time. Um, but yeah, and I mean, so- rookie year, Larry Cameron was probably like, Hey, train with Stu. And, uh, he didn't get his head popped off and let's, you know, let's so, give him a go. Piggybacking on what you just said, Brian Knobs, not the most technically sound wrestler that we've ever seen either. So I picture these two, this is, Falls count anywhere. Anything goes. Mm-hmm. There's be like you said with Jerry Sags and Johnny Grunge, two guys that probably shouldn't have been in a ring to begin with. <laughs> yes. So they're just beating the shit out of each other around Texas Stadium. Yeah. Weapons. We we get like a fun pinfall in the bathroom or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It makes again, it makes sense and it makes it's best two guys yeah, of singles uh Brian Hubbs. There's not too much that you could do with them. Again, I would have hoped that they were ranked 21 and 22 for your sake, and you didn't have to use them, but, you know, here here we are. I mean, Larry Cameron being considered number, I think he was number 16. Mm -hmm. They smashed him over. He was ranked ahead of Chris Benoit on this list. Well... Points off for Ben Love for, for personality, I guess. But uh, um, no, Larry Cameron, like, again, like, wherever he wrestled before the NWA got their paws into him, he was projected to be, and I think he was, fuck, if I, if, like, maybe he was in global for, like, a minute and he had gotten over in global and, like, somebody was like, just teach him how to wrestle a little bit. He'll be fine. Yeah. And uh no, it never happened and it's not fine. No. It's not fine. <laughs> yeah. Gross miscalculation. But if you're using him here with uh with with Brian Nobbs, let let him beat the dog shit out of each other and don't have to run the ropes. All right. So, uh next we have um a little bit of uh let's get let's get the work and shoes back on match. Mm-hmm. We got Two Cold Scorpio taking on Badass Billy Gunn. Okay. So you got Billy Gunn playing the heel. He's Mr. Ass. I guess you can't say Mr. Ass, but it's in the vein of that character where, you know, he's the heel. um, And he's parading around, parading around the ring, trying to show his butt off to all the, to all the ladies in, uh, in Texas stadium. And he got the baby face too cold. cold Scorpio. I, I picture it like WCW. Two cold Scorpio mm-hmm. early, and yep, you know they're just gonna have a barn burner. Yeah, uh, put Scorpio over. Scorpio could work his style too. Yeah, I mean he's Billy gonna get Gun- it. He's gonna get his off the top shit. Billy Gunn bumps bumps around for him. Yeah, it, it, and, and but Billy is also a as a big imposing. They're two big imposing guys. So deceptive, deceptively big. In. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for for guys that are especially with Scorpio, like people always say, like you know, one of the best like cruiserweights and and you know flyers of his time. Motherfucker was like two thirty five, two forty, and he was like 
six three six four. Yeah. So not only can you have him pull out like stuff that people probably haven't ever seen before, mm-hmm. yeah. but they can also work the style of the times, and his shit will then be even more oh, important yeah. when he hits the the somersault leg drop and all that yep. shit. Yep. Yeah, one good 450, and everybody's like, oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah. And that, uh, that was always like Scorpio's calling card was that he was um, he was the first to do a ton of stuff that everybody just stole to death. Yeah. First 450 guy. First, like, you know, again, that um, that what was it? A moonsault leg drop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Salt, like, drop. Or like even that tornado one that he did, the yeah. the dropping the bomb. Like just fucking goddamn two gold Scorpio and nineteen. One of the most underrated guys of all time. Of all time. Ninety four, ninety five, two gold Scorpio is very untouchable. And again, another guy I saw at the ECW arena a handful of times that was like he was on the second match with um Eddie Guerrero. Uh, for Eddie Guerrero's first time in ECW, and it was like you didn't know what to expect from Eddie Guerrero because the only thing I saw was the you know a videotape of that when worlds collide, yeah. and I was like, that's pretty great. I know the Guerrero brothers. How's he going to match up with Scorpio? And they just they tore it down early in that card, and it was like because Scorpio can fucking work with anybody. Yeah. So, yeah. I like All it. Right. So now moving on. This is kind of like... I feel like this would be a very world-class match. I just mm-hmm. don't know how to present it. Because it seems like a mishmash. So this is going to be a tag okay. match. All right. And it's going to be Rikishi. I don't know what form of Rikishi. I'll tell you in a minute. That would team up best with the big boss man. Hmm. Oh, make a difference, Rikishi. To t- no, <laughs> because they're going to be the heels. Okay. All right. Taking on Lex Luger and the Ultimate Warrior. Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! Wait a second. Um. Uh, you would have. It would be. Samoan. It can't be ass out Rikishi. No, it would be. It's got to be like Fatu. Right? Samoan SWAT team Fatu. Yeah. Okay. Who, All right. ironically enough, worked in world class early days. So this so is did just Warrior. Gonna, exactly. Yeah. So this is going to be two, the the baby faces of Luger and Warrior, who are like your muscle bound guys who really can't work that much. They love those guys. On, <laughs> taking on. The big dominant heels who can bump their ass. Fucking, off yeah, for exactly. The guys that can't yep. fucking work. Yeah. Because they, As, both, of, it makes, again, it always plays into when you can play into the strength of the guys that you want to get over as your baby faces. In this case, Ultimate Warrior and Lex. It's more impressive. So you can take somebody that's small, like, let's say they're going to wrestle against, like, you know, uh, Scorpio Jr. and, and you know, uh, let's say, uh, you know, Ogawa or something like that. Well, Ogawa would probably fucking fuck their shit up. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you yeah. you can take two guys that are little and they're fast and, and they can 
you know, it looks great when they're getting thrown around, but it looks even better when Big Ray Trailer goes up for that press slam and he takes it and he falls in a perfect way. And Rikishi is, you know, zooming left, right, and center, but then he takes the clothesline, he does the Kishi bump, and uh, fuck yeah. You make those dudes look like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. Credible opponents. And you can have this be like, you can, because you have the workers of Rikishi and Bossman, this doesn't have to be the quick squash that you would normally want out of Luger and War here. You can mm-hmm. work a traditional style tag match yeah. where you're getting heat on the heels and they're beating them down, beating them down, beating them down. You get the fucking hot tag and that place is going nuts. They're wound up for it. I you agree. You get Warrior hitting the ropes. Yeah. Wagging yeah. the ropes and that place goes insane. Yeah, a stadium pop for these two guys is that's what you're looking for. So they, yeah. that that finishing sequence and the end of that match is all all like your build, 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 and then you just blow the exactly. roof off of it. And, and Is every- it going to be the best technical match you've ever seen? No. But for the live crowd, that's going to be – that might be their favorite match on the show. Can I please have um, – I want to have Percy Pringle, the third, as the manager for uh, Boss Man and Rikishi, please. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> Just that's you know, that's my only uh, that's my only note on that one. All right. You got to have a world class manager in there. I mean, if he was on the list, he would have been included. Yeah. I didn't know we were allowed to include people that weren't on the list. I didn't see managers anywhere on there necessarily, <laughs> but. All right. Uh, so coming out of that, for the last three matches, we're putting our working boots on, mm-hmm. and we're tearing the fucking house down. Match number six. Chris Benoit taking on Masakutsu Funaki. Right. And this isn't Sho Funaki. No, this is not Sho Funaki. This is the co-founder of Pancrase. Yes. Um, yeah. He's like a grappler. Uh, I actually watched to become familiarized with him because I was not too familiar with him. I watched a match where uh, he fought Boss Rutan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is, this is going to... Be your technical. Your, oh like, yeah, your your technical match of the evening. Yep. Um, you're gonna, you know, there's gonna be a lot of grappling. There's gonna be a lot of submission holds, and ultimately, you're gonna have Benoit bust out the high flying moves towards the end to, you know, get that one up mm-hmm. because uh, Funaki did was. He was a straight, like, straight-laced. He was a shooter. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. was a shooter. Yeah. So having having Benoit in there, who was also a shooter, but had his aerial abilities and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of stuff, th- That that's what I would ha- – that's who I would have go over in that match because he has that one – There's the – yeah, exactly. That, There's like, the edge. One, that one facet that Funaki does not have. Which, uh, which Benoit – Era. Oh, we're going like early, early. Uh, I almost want to say Pegasus Kid, but we'll go like early ECW Benoit that broke okay. Sabu's neck. Well, yeah, like the the bridge between like best of the Super Juniors Benoit. You know, we had the final against uh, was that Sasuke or Liger. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 
that version of Benoit, actually that version of Benoit is the best version of Benoit. You're right. Just before or just as he's starting ECW. Uh, so like the, the 94. Yeah, like 93, 94. Before he actually like, I mean, he was on steroids, but he wasn't dripping in steroids. By the time that he got to 96, he was bad. Um, yeah. And he got injured all the time. So this is before he got fucking injured all the time, Benoit. And he had a sick mullet. Yeah. <laughs> I would Which fits say, in with the times. Put him under that mask and just have, like, he never wore that mask right. He looked like a fucking idiot. Um, but yeah, the, the mullet peeking out under the mask. Uh, wild Pegasus, or Pegasus Kid, I should say. Yeah. All right. Good, good. All right. I was, so, I was worried about where Benoit would fit in in this, and... Uh, I'm happy I thought that- I thought that 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 really that one came together. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. So semi main event. Um, we're going with uh, Sting Ooh. taking on Yoshinari Agawa. Okay. Okay. So we got our baby face thing. Yeah. This is Surfer Sting. This we're going is, yeah. like. We're going like eighty eight, eighty nine yeah. with the with the knob on the on the back of his head. Tail thing. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, and Ogawa, I feel like was is the perfect version of Japanese wrestler mm-hmm. to take on that version of Sting. Kind of a foreign menace. Exactly, he is like yeah. he's of the strong style ilk, mm-hmm. but he has the american heel tendencies oh yeah that, yeah that crowd would hate and he's managed by gary hart because i have to have a world-class manager please he, yeah he, he's like again again like yeah. he's he's almost this is almost reminiscent of sting and muda muda yep you know what i mean like that's what i pictured this as was sting and muda yeah where ogawa because this is this is the semi-main Mm-hmm. Ogawa is gonna do some treacherous stuff. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah! In order to get the win over Sting, to set up our main event where we can have our babyface go over. Love it, love it, and I think that's again when you're looking down the court, you could pair Sting with a bunch of guys here. Yeah, but there's also that element. Like, you, I mean, there was the there was the obvious one to do, and you don't want to fall in that trap of. And I, didn't, and I didn't want to fall in that trap. Him and Helwig, like anybody else would take this. No no slight on Matt. Matt would take this and be like, Warrior versus Sting is my main Or, or no, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking the even more obvious one that we got a million times oh. of Sting and Vader. Yeah. Eh. True. True. But, but you're, you're avoiding that. I'm avoiding it. Great restraint. To do the main event. Mm-hmm. This is a match that we saw in Japan. Yep. But to my knowledge, we did not see in the United States. American soil, no. In, in any main in any main uh promotion. We're doing Big Van Vader versus Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Bigelow Vader. is a guy that they were familiar with because he was uh Crusher Yurkoff. In world class for a little while. So we're doing Vader with the the steam. Bring it on. Steam joint. He's got the, the headdress on. How good would that look in a stadium? Oh my god. Fuck yeah. And yeah. you got you, you got some uh fog machines coming or like shooting off the stuff next yeah. to him. 
Yeah. And then you got you got Bam Bam. I'm talking 87, 88 Bam Bam. Cartwheel and down. Cartwheel, dropkick. Yeah. I agree. Bam Bam. Bam Bam hits a moonsault off the top rope. Reckless ass Bam Bam. Yeah. <laughs> and send send the folks into a frenzy. Yeah. You have first of all, you have two guys who in their primes are, I would say, almost inarguably the two best big men in the history of the business. They were in the conversation for sure, yeah. Yeah. And they could do in their primes, they could do shit that people of their size could not do at all. There was there was no one like them. Yeah. When they were in their prime. And this is almost like so Vader eighty five Vader is Leon Baby Bull White in AWA. By the time he got good, like he got good fast. Uh, yeah. So I'm imagining like 1990, 1991 Vader yeah. versus 88, 87. Yeah. So in like, my mind. They, they're very like, again, almost like the same trajectory and how, how they got good at what they did as quickly as possible and then took the to- two totally different paths, met back up and when were they both in New Japan, like, 90, 91? Yeah, right around that time. And they were a dominant tag team, had their matches, got physical in those matches. I actually, I think somewhere in my collection, I've got Best of Bam Bam Bigelow in Japan. And oh, there's nice. there's at least two or three matches as a tag with Vader, and I think there's one singles match. Yeah. Um, or like a six-man where they're against each other. Anyway, like just two guys, again... Anywhere else, like if you were to say, like where where would I put this card? My brain might go like, you have this at the Tokyo Dome, and everybody would like lose their shit and throw seat cushions. But the only other place you could probably have it where it would be just as impactful would be world class. Like it's you hit the net. Like I can't stress enough how like this at world class is so like it makes it like that much more fun to think about it um, and to just imagine like the oohs and the ahs and the, yeah, I mean, they love their like pretty boy baby faces in Texas, but they also love when Brody would like hurl Abdullah oh, yeah. through the crowd or it would be uh, Kamala and uh, the missing link and like their big ass horse fights, horse fights and their crazy character fights were just as important as what you were doing with you know, carrying Kevin at the time. So like 85 world-class sweet fucking spot, sweet place to put this card. As long as the, the main event goes off before like six o'clock at night. That's it. You're, you're rolling in gold. This is, uh, Vince would be shaking in his boots. Like this is, this is a tough promotion to, to that main event would be fucking tight as shit. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and if we saw it, like, that's the one thing is, like, we never got to see that in America. Yeah, yeah. Ever. Even, even like, past their primes, we never got a chance to see Bam Bam and Vader go one-on-one. They were never in the same place. The same, the, well, no, they weren't. Like, they no. were maybe in WCW in the early 90s. Bam Bam came back around and was with Kevin Sullivan for a little while. But he got tired of that because it was like, well, I can make money in Japan. That's when he met back up with Vader in Japan. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, to see them lock up and, and 
like you know a crowd that would appreciate the the sports entertainment element of that but also see two guys that are athletic as fuck moonsaults and, you see and two all guys that other that, stuff that uh you know it's it's almost like it's almost fitting that it would take place in a football stadium because it's going to be like two fucking lines yeah. just fucking yeah, just wearing each other out just yeah big heavy hands and i like it i like it a lot i will say um i did have the time to look back at this card and i just want to give you a couple notes okay we both had funaki and benoit in a match i wrote that down in my notes oh yeah and we both had larry cameron and brian Hobbs. <laughs> um my, oh you booked this you booked, I bo- this card I booked the card yeah i wanted so score- you bu- you had both of those matches i also had this i i put a note in here that this would be in new japan okay because um, there's a lot of foreign talent on here and yeah the right kind of foreign talent that they would love to see uh so it'd be it would be a uh egg dome uh, okay tokyo dome match uh i had i definitely was going to put two cold scorpio versus scorpio jr by the way, <laughs> um, but my main. When I ev- saw that, I was like, "What? Who is? <laughs> are they the same person?" Yeah, that, yeah. That's you always got to look at that. Like, did he wrestle under a mask somewhere at Scorpio Junior? But my main event that I had, I'd written down here was a uh, six man tag. Okay. It, it would be Sting, Warrior, and Luger versus oh, okay. Vader, Bigelow, and Boss Man. That's. I mean, it's close. That, uh, so many of the elements that like ran over each other. Yeah, we're we're part of that. So well done, excellent. And I think that's uh, that's what makes this exercise that we're doing. And we'll do another. You know, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll we'll be back with uh, with an episode. That's you know, Matt will finally be back with us, so he can do his notes. Um, but like, these are the type of things. These type of exercises. If you're a wrestling fan and you're like, ah, you know, dream matches or you know. You could have a million dream matches or you could try to figure out like which guys like never wrestled each other and you you leave your head spinning. As simple as it is, you take a year that the guy debuted and you look down and you say, what have I never seen or what would I like to see? And, you know, hours of fun. So, um, yeah, this was this is a blast. And it's it's a fun exercise in like, you know, everyone wants to, to fantasy book. Yeah. Uh, fantasy book uh the current stuff but when you like try and place yourself in a time machine yeah in a specific place at a specific time and be like what would these people want to see <laughs> not just like in my head what would you know who oh i want to see kenny omega wrestle yeah yeah fucking uh seth rollins or something right it's like in 1985 in this particular territory, what would they want to see? Yes. Yep. Yep. So yeah, how to enhance good. that, how to enhance that card for that crowd and saying to yourself, like, you know, again, you got to study, you got to kind of be a little bit more of a student of the game outside of, Oh, I'd love to see macho man versus Kenny Omega, or I'd love to see like Chris Jericho in his prime against, you know, you know, and in his prime, uh, you know, anybody else, whatever um, name that I can't think of. But to say, like, all right, here's a specific group of people. Here's a specific territory you want to do it. Like, here's my thinking outside of it. Where can I have this? Yeah, you can have it anywhere in the world. 
you could have taken this card and said, like, I'll make a Madison Square Garden version of this. Yeah. And it might be completely different than the Texas Stadium version of it. You know, that that card that I had uh, for uh, my guys from 87, I could have put that in the ECW arena and probably still had the same main event, but the much of the undercard stuff would have been, like, scrambled and, and, and jammed up. Exactly. You you have to think about what's available at the time and how that kind of group of guys would fit into it. So, and, and if, if I'm going to be honest, this is a you know kind of like a cliffhanger. But in my in the next card that we book, mm-hmm. I had an original uh, place that I wanted to put it because it's my favorite venue of that time period. Okay, right. But when I put the card together, I'm like, this would not work there. So I switched it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. we'll see what happens. That's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, that will do it for this episode. Uh, we're going to be doing more of these. Again, we've got you know two more episodes of these. I think this concept will come back in some way, shape, or form uh, for future episodes and you know in perpetuity because uh, it's a lot of fun to do. And again, I hope you guys as listeners – uh, stick around and and check the whole thing out and you know we've got your attention now and and let's see if we keep it so uh for myself for mike madden for tommy schultz we hope you guys have a uh, a great night and we will as bill after used to say we'll see you at the matches Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that, that one that one turned out yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It, and it wasn't like so that's what's funny about like your card, like you got a lot of people where you're like, all right, well, you know, I can definitely match up the Mexicans and you hit the nail on the head with that. And it's just it's so funny that like you know, the thought process of like if you're thinking like what would be great in Texas, like this fucking hits hard, like and this this is gonna be a great main event. I hope I, I I'm I almost wanna like give Matt like a chance to listen when I put the episode up tomorrow. I'm gonna be like, hey idiot, listen to the I almost wanna yeah. preview the second episode and send it to him. Be like, before you even like go back and proofread your proofread your shit, like listen to the two episodes, then come back yeah, and be ready to do it. We're gonna have a few weeks. In between, yeah. So I think I think we should have him just because I don't know that uh, he would have put the that 